0: Hello there. It is Dr. Siobhan here. I am so excited about this podcast episode. I know I say that every time, but this one is different. I actually have a guest for this particular episode and the guest is my husband. So I have asked him to join on this particular episode because The day that it airs will be our eight-year wedding anniversary, and I thought how cool it would be to bring him on for us to share with you eight of the lessons that we have learned in our time being married to each other. So what's really interesting about this is when I proposed the idea to him, he asked me why. He's like, well, why do you want to do it? And I thought about it. And the first thing that came to mind was, it'll be fun, right? Won't it be so fun? I personally love talking about this stuff. So of course, he should love talking about this stuff, right? Not always the case, but I thought it would be fun. And then I also thought that our talking about this and having, you know, an open and honest conversation about it would actually help other people, which is the whole reason why I do this podcast in the first place. So I'm really excited to have his perspective in this conversation because one, it'll be insightful for me, of course, and the work that I do with you all. But I think it will also really be insightful for you to hear a male perspective. Um, And then the other thing is I just think Doing it this way, having this combination where both we share will also highlight just the differences between men and women. And I know for us as wives, sometimes a lot of our frustration comes because we feel like our husbands don't understand us, we feel like we're speaking two different languages. And I think hearing a couple have this conversation might just give you some insight into your own conversations um, and your own marriages. So I'm super excited to officially introduce to you all, Um, my husband, who has a radio voice, in my opinion. I told him that since the first time I met him. I was like, you should be on radio. So he gets that a lot. So I hope you will enjoy hearing both his voice and my voice. And we're going to have a conversation. I'm super excited because we have no idea what the other person is going to say. And We'll just see how it goes, right? We'll see how it goes. This is real life right here. So why don't you say hello to the people?
1: Hello, everybody. (laughs) I hope you are all well. Um, A lot of thought went into this process of putting this list together for myself. Um, And I don't present this with what America or what the world has its view on marriage. I really try to see it from my lens and the people that I know and the acquaintances and friends that I have. It's all coming from that perspective. And this is going to be um, truthful and honest. I don't know if it's what you guys want to hear or don't want to hear. I'm not sure it's what Siobhan wants to hear or doesn't want to hear. But she asked for it. And uh, in my practical brain, this is what I'm going to provide for you today.
0: (laughs) Thank you. So, you guys hear that, right? I asked for it. So, women, right? You ask for stuff, you better be prepared for what you get back. So, we'll see how it goes. And tell them your name and like a little bit about yourself, what you do.
1: <laughs> my name is Schubert Parat. Um, what do I do? I do a lot of things. Um, and in my mind, I do many more things. But Um, As a profession, I am a medical doctor. I work in emergency departments. I'm an emergency room physician. I am a former director and um, probably going to be a future director. And I have other things that I like to be involved in. I like health and wellness, exercising and working out. Um, I also am an avid um, stock market trader. Um, I do um, some fairly complicated trades in the stock market and, uh, you know, want to prepare for my future and the future of my future generations and legacies to come. So that's in a nutshell, who I am, what I do. Um, I have obsessive and compulsive tendencies.
0: <laughs> I'm a
1: perfectionist and um, I'm a little bit. I guess some people would call it weird, and very practical. So that's me in a nutshell.
0: Awesome. Great. All right. So who wants to go first? So how we'll do this, um, guys, is we are going to, he'll share one lesson, I'll share one lesson. In total, you will have eight. And I think we've probably done these in no particular order, but we can definitely emphasize the points that we feel are most relevant for you. So, do you want to go first with your
1: first one? Okay, great. So, I'll say the first thing, and I like to have a little bit of surprise about it. And um, it just came to me as I just was giving this some thought. Um, In these eight years, I would say everything that I knew or thought I knew about marriage, I would say not everything, I would say most of it is a lie. I think... um, you know the process of marriage gets highlighted. Really, the good, the good aspects. I mean, and when I say a lie, I mean what the media has put out, what the expectations are, and um, you know all the positives are really super emphasized. Very little negatives, and and it's surprising to me that the negatives are never highlighted because the negatives are obvious because of the percentages that are published about the divorce rate. So there has to be something that doesn't work about marriage and marriage is not all the glitz and glamour. Um, and, I, and I will back that up by saying um, that, you know, just like in many practical things, there are things that we think are one way And as time goes on and as we learn and as we grow, they ultimately wind up becoming something totally and completely different from what we actually thought. And that's where, that's the reason I say, um, most of what I've thought and thought I knew about marriage is a lie. And, you know, one of the glaring things for me as a male is, you know, marriage I think with time can be frustrating and difficult. And there are times in which you dislike your spouse. And I find myself sometimes in that space, but it's it's very new for me because in all, in just about every place in your life, if you dislike someone, there's never a place where you actually still love them and dislike them all at the same time. and. That's a big part of marriage, you know, when you're going through times of turmoil or, you know, times of disagreement. And, you know, when you actually really dislike this person, but you still love them and no one ever really talks about how to navigate that space. And you're sort of left to your own design to really have to think about um, what you're going to do, how you're going to be in those situations. And that's what makes marriage for me very, very difficult because um, in every other place, if you, if you dislike someone at work, you're not gonna love them any longer and you're just gonna leave. If it's a friend or an acquaintance, even though you may love them, you did just leave them alone and just not talk to them and have them not be part of your life. But in marriage, you know there's time put in and there's love there but at the, but at the but at any particular time there may be that you really don't like that person that's right in front of you and having to deal with that is something that you never really expect to deal with that any other place in your life you may have had sort of that love sort of dislike relationship maybe when you're with your parents when you were a teenager but now you're all grown up and you've invested time and money and all other valuable parts of your life into a marriage and it's a very difficult place to sit and you know I think this is what people really need to think about as well when you decide to get married because just because you dislike this person You know, and if you still really love them, it's a difficult place to navigate. So you just have to really be conscious of how you're going to be in those situations. And you can't just treat them just like you would treat anything else in any other situation that you have in your life. And sometimes it can make it very difficult for you internally, and it can make it very difficult for the marriage. So... It's something that people just don't talk about, and I think people just have to be prepared. And it could be for any number of circumstances, and that may not necessarily be what one spouse did to the other. It may just be, you know, their very own situations in life that just happens. Maybe it happens to the both of them. Maybe it happens to one. Maybe it happens to the other. But these situations come all too often, whether we like them or not. And if you find yourself in those situations, you just got to be ready to really understand how you're going to be and how you're going to show up and how you have to play the fine line between being, disliking someone and still having a future with them. So you can't, there's certain lines that you can't cross. There's just things that you can't do. um, And there's just things that you can't take back. And in most situations, you know, you don't really care about those consequences because you have an emotional reaction at the time and, you know, it's just going to be what it's going to be. But it's kind of hard um, to deal with those things in marriage. So um, so I would say be prepared for those things because those are real situations, real circumstances that I find myself in and have been in um, a few times in this marriage, just to say. <laughs>
0: just a few just a few just a few times everybody a few few
1: times times.
0: so I think interestingly when I think about one of the lessons that I have to share so his was you know marriage is a lie and how do you navigate disliking someone but still loving them and being committed to your relationship together I think one of the biggest lessons that I have learned is the power in just owning your impact and what that means for me is really recognizing the role that i play in any issues in the marriage and you know for those of you who have listened to this podcast for a while or know me you know that i talk about that a lot and so clearly even from what schubert has just said in his first thing like this is going to be a real a real honest conversation and i have to admit that there have been times in our marriage where i just have not been aware of my own impact. And I think it's human nature and our human tendency to sort of underestimate our negative impact on a relationship and overestimate our positive impact, which means when we think we're making an effort, we think it's like the greatest effort in the world and it's gonna make all the difference in the world and that he should be responding positively because we've made, what feels like to us, huge progress and huge strides. And I think whenever we bring negativity to the relationship, we always want to minimize it, right? It's a self-protective mechanism of, you know, what I did isn't that bad because, you know, we always justify our behavior and we always find rationale for why we've made up, said what we said or reacted the way we reacted. And I think that when we aren't fully aware and owning our impact, that you really do have those rough spots together. And I think add to that the reverse of that when it comes to our spouses, how we underestimate their positive impact and we overestimate their negative impact. And so I can definitely recall times in our relationship where I just felt like he wasn't putting forth the effort that I was. Um, there were times when I felt like the negativity I may have been receiving from him was just overwhelming and was like the end of the world and the biggest deal. And whenever you're looking outward at what the other person is doing and discrediting them and negating what they're trying to do positively, it just ends you up in a really, really unhappy place. And, you know, both of us will admit that we've had many of those moments in our relationship where it has been difficult. And so as much as, you know, I teach this and as much as, you know, we try to keep our relationship healthy, we are also human, you know, really subject to our own feelings and our own emotions and really focusing on ourselves at times that we don't really own our impact. And so... I think in those moments where things have been great in our marriage, part of that comes from just the energy that I decide to bring or the energy he decides to bring, meaning we let things go that really don't require a big to-do. We look for the best in each other. We give each other the benefit of the doubt. We consciously make the decision to give grace and compassion and love. And so I think the more you recognize or the more I have been able to recognize my impact and to be really fully aware of how I may be bringing us down as a couple and the ways that I may be lifting us up as a couple is really important because whenever you have those dips, as all relationships do, you know that the focus just always starts with you that if things are not progressing and not moving in the direction that you want it to, that you have to just look at yourself because you're the only person that you can control. And for as much as you want the other person to be doing more and they're not, then it's just really a signal back to yourself of being able to owning your own impact and taking responsibility for the role that you play. So that is something I think has taken me a while to learn. but more recently, I really see that. And even in hindsight, when I think about some of those rough moments in our marriage, I see now how if I had really been cognizant of and more self-aware that some of those periods could have been shortened and some of those issues could have been resolved much more quickly. So that's, that's number two, lesson number two. What do okay. you have for us for three?
1: Number three, I say, don't marry for love, marry for teamwork. And I'll um, justify that by saying that the love will fade, but the teamwork will be necessary for a lifetime. And, you know, I think too many times people um, go into marriages, and even, even for myself, you know, we're full with the emotions about how the other person makes us feel. And we try to really, we don't really put on the hat of understanding how does this person work for a team? Um, And you know, I've played a, a few sports in both high school, college, and you get to sort of understand a little bit about the synergy that happens when you are and and even at work, you know when you have teens at work, you have folks and people with similar personalities that function really well together, that are really progressive and that sort of feed each other and really push each other forward and I think that aspect of marriage really gets pushed to the side. I think you know there's an overwhelming amount, even though there may be signs and places where you think to yourself, man, you know, I really, I really have a strong emotional connection and I really love this person, but is this person going to be good for, as a teammate and in teammates, you know, in in all kinds of teams, there's going to be people that are going to be the leaders and there's going to be people that are followers and that may interchange and be You know, one at at certain points, you know, one person may lead and the other point, the other person may follow, but usually there's always a dominant usual force. And, you know, I think now after eight years of just thinking about it and thinking and speaking to other people, you know, I just really always want to infuse them with the perspective of understanding, is this going to function really well for you as a teammate? And a teammate because you're going to need support. You're going to need to push forward and you're going to have difficult times because that's what life is about. And love for what society makes it out to be, it doesn't necessarily make for the best of teams because of personalities, because of work ethic, because of many different things. And, you know, although in, in marriages you can grow into some of that stuff but the growing pains may be really tough along with life's growing pains. So,
0: so I, I, have a, I have as you mentioned that growing pains, I mean, one of the things that comes up for me as you say that about the teamwork is like, what would you say to someone who finds and feels like right now they're in a marriage where they don't have a good team player, where like they feel like they're out on their own without the support in any way? of their spouse, what would
1: you say to them? I would say they just really, they, they have to really take a look at themselves um, because they have to figure out whether they're the dominant or whether they're going to be following. And there's going to be times in which, in the relationship that they may, they, the dynamic of the team in a marriage is that there's going to be sometimes where you need to take a back seat and there's going to be times where you're going to need to take the back seat and you're just going to need to follow. And in that following, and if there's one person that's really a strong leader and you feel like there's a divergence, then you know supporting them without any judgment and supporting them willfully I think gives the leader a perspective, especially if things haven't been working for quite some time that maybe there's a possibility and a chance and i think it should be said and it should be obvious that this is the this you have decided to take a supporting role and this is how you're going to be for now and you know once the once the leader understands that that's your perspective i think the leader real will, will change accordingly maybe it may change for the better maybe it may change for the worse I can't really say for certain because I can't speak for all people, but I would say for most reasonable people, once they find that they have somebody supporting them and is willing to take a back seat there, they have no other choice but to at some point um, find some balance and some equality unless they're completely and totally narcissistic. And if they are completely narcissistic, then guess what? That's what you married and that's what you got. You don't you not you not only have a a leader, but you also have a narcissist or whatever other personality disorders that people may have. But you know you got to find some balance, and then sometimes there may be that you just have to give in completely to that person, and it may be just it's going to take you time for that person to really come to the realization and making it a very conscious effort and making them understand it consciously that you are invested in them you're invested in their success you're invested in their leadership you're invested in the direction that they want to go and afterwards you know with time has passed and and i can't really say if it's 3 months 6 months a year you know i think there's going to be time to revisit to say hey listen there are other things that i want to explore you know i've followed you and i've been supporting you and you know, I'm looking for a little bit of support in this area. I don't think that's really too much to ask, if you're, especially if you've been given 100%. Got it. Thank you. You're welcome. Um,
0: number four, right, we four now. Number four that I put as a lesson learned, I think almost ties a little bit to what you were just saying there, is the importance of making requests and not demands. So I think there have been times, and I know for the women listening, this happens a lot where you really want your spouse to do something, and they don't want to, right? And then there's like consequences to that. Meaning you have emotional consequences, like you're physically, not physically, but you are like emotionally upset with them, you're frustrated, you withdraw, you shut them out, because whatever it is you would like them to be doing is not happening. And I think whenever you approach someone wanting them to be a certain way, wanting them to say certain things, wanting them to do certain things, and you don't leave the door open for them to say no or for them to not go along with what you're asking, that it just creates more frustration and it becomes a power struggle. And so I have really learned to recognize when I present something to you, Schubert. when I present something to you, that I have to be prepared to not get the response that I want. And that instead of trying to convince and emotionally manipulate the other person into acquiescing, that really, the more I can master making a request and knowing that you might have a totally different take on it, you might have a totally different opinion on it, the better, I think even with my asking you to be on this podcast, it was one of those things where I was like, I really would love this, right? I really wanted it to happen. But I also knew that I had to give you the space to come to your own conclusion and that all I was making was a request, not a demand. And the difference between a request is, it is an open invitation. It's sort of like an invitation to a party. Like you want the people to come, you want them to be a part of it, But if they don't, you don't go to their house and like make them come. And I think a lot of times in marriage, when we want something out of our spouse, we really make demands. We really make demands and there are negative consequences when they don't follow what we would like. And I think the more we can just create space, the more I've learned to create space for the answer to be no or for the change to not be what I want it to be, um, the more peace I have. And I think that is the thing that sometimes we miss. We think that the peace and the happiness comes from the other person doing what we want them to do. But a lot of times that genuine peace and happiness comes when we just let go. And when we get out of the way and they come to the conclusions on their own. Um, And so that has been a big lesson learned for me. I, I can think of many times when You know, I would engage in conversation and really want the conversation to go a particular way and be very upset and very hurt when it didn't. And so I've personally just had to learn to allow him to have his own thoughts, his own opinions, his own decisions, and to not make that mean anything for me that would cause pain or upset and that is something um, that I think has really been helpful in just my own emotional management as well. What do you think? What do you think about what I'm saying?
1: <laughs> I'm just listening. I'm not really having any thoughts, any reactions. I'm just taking it in.
0: Okay. Thanks.
1: No problem. <laughs> um, I guess I'll go on with my next.
0: Yeah. Go on with your next.
1: And this will be number... Five. Number five. Um, I say have low expectations of your spouse and high expectations of yourself. Mm, that's good. And um, because you are a certain individual um, prior to marriage and the I think part of the expectation is that when you come together... There is a thought that this person is going to complete you, going to be your equal, and going to allow you to soar or soar along with you. And sometimes I think the reality of marriage is that that doesn't always happen. And it's actually pretty rare, or it may happen at very different times for either individual in the marriage. And I think having really the same expectations of yourself, of your spouse is a a really bad setup. You know, allowing them some of the space to be themselves and not putting such expectations that you have of yourself on the other person in the marriage um, is really tough. And I think for myself, I'm a pretty intense kind of guy and I put a, a, an, an enormous amount of pressure on myself and sometimes that pressure is put on to you. And at times it's, I think I, I can justify in many ways of why I think it's fair and um, for many reasons, but the more I think and the more I understand and the more I grow and learn, is that, you know, there are there are things in life that you may be unhappy about. I mean, for me in particular, that I may be unhappy about that are not happening. And at one time in my life, I used to think that I could just do it all. And, you know, now I think to myself, you know, being married, that I didn't have to do this part. This part was not my responsibility. And therefore you know, this is my spouse's portion and this is my spouse's responsibility. And the more and more that I grow, I think about lessening those expectations because number one, it causes me less headache. It causes me less disappointment. It causes me much less stress because I just understand that I just put it on my shoulders for me to do. And I'll take it on and I'll just take it on as much as I can um within reason and if I have an issue or if I have a problem, then I can sit down and have a discussion about it. but um I think when you approach marriage, there's this thought that this person is going to be you try to find someone who's your equal, you try to find someone who's as motivated, but that all oh, that things can change in life and in marriages, and things go through, things ebb and flow. And um, I think when you do put too much pressure and disappointment on these expectations, that it winds up causing both sides to really react negatively. And the more you can put it on yourself and really just push to just, meet your own expectations, the less you'll be worried about what the other person is doing or not doing. that's my, that's my point.
0: Thank you. That's super insightful. So number six um, for me is one of the things I've learned to be more open to doing and more conscious about doing is to always look for the love so many of you are familiar with and have probably heard me talk about the five love languages and i think one of the things that has been so clear in our marriage is how our love languages are very different so i'm sure i've said before i am a words of affirmation that is my primary love language i Really appreciate verbal affirmation in a lot of different ways. And that is not Schubert's love language at all. Um, And there are times when I think, over the course of our marriage, when we first learn about those five love languages, our goal is to make sure the other person understands our love language. And then the expectation is that they will love us in our love language. And I think. You know, similar to what you're talking about in terms of expectations, but I think sometimes that is a disservice to yourself. That is a disservice to the other person and it's a disservice to the marriage. And I think the more valuable perspective that I have been learning to adopt more and more when looking at the five love languages is learning to make the translation meaning that if you are married to someone whose love language is physical touch or you're married to someone whose love language is quality time or acts of service, that instead of looking for the verbal affirmation and validation and praise, you look for their love in their love language and you make the translation. So there are plenty of times where I've had to observe things that he does for me or that he does for our family as acts of service or time that he sets aside to be with with me and I have to make the translation myself to say this is the way he's saying I love you this is the way he's saying I appreciate you this is the way he's saying that you matter and that you're important to me and so that is something that has really just been helpful that I think again when people come to know those five love languages, it becomes a tool that we can sometimes use against our spouse. Like, why aren't you doing this? You know that my love language is words of affirmation, or you know that my love language is gifts, giving gifts. Why aren't you doing that? And I think, um, you know, I've definitely dipped my toe in that way of thinking, but it has always been more helpful to just make the translation and then know that my work is to then show him love in his love language, even if it's not my natural tendency. That to me is really what sacrificial love is all about, is giving love to the other person in a way that they can receive, even if you don't get it back in the way that you would prefer. It's still there. And it's it's actually your job to find it, to look for it, um, rather than necessarily their job to constantly show up in the exact way that you want them to so always look for the love
1: okay and uh, my last point point number seven is that children will change everything and those of you who are and this may not apply to everyone this may not apply to all married couples but those who are fortunate enough or unfortunate enough to have children, it is a unbelievable change in your life that you will just not be prepared for. Um, and it, it, is both for, it is both challenging and reassuring, um, compromising, and it will grow you in ways that you never really thought possible. And just in that same context, it will grow and change your marriage just the same. And it's a transition that people don't talk about. And again, just like everything about marriage is a lie, or most things, I wouldn't say everything again, but getting married is one transition and having children is another. And I can just speak on it, um, because of our current situation and children have a unique way and a unique personality, although they come from the same parents and they may have some traits of one parent, more of the traits from another, they may create their own and that's just the way they grow in this world. But the change that will happen internally, externally, emotionally, spiritually, there's so many changes that will happen that you are not prepared for. And what I often, the message I think for most folks is that, you know, children, you're gonna need time for yourselves as a married couple to grow. And you're also going to need time to prepare to have children. Because children, um, when you want to do a really good job of it, when you really want to make sure that they're successful, you want to build good foundations, there's going to be all kinds of challenges that come along. And there may be challenges that you predict. There may be challenges. And there are many challenges you cannot predict. But they will grow you. And uh, they will, they will make you struggle. They will challenge you and they will challenge your marriage. And you just have to be prepared for that because it's something that's just not talked about. And people, myself included, my friends, um, you know, we we really want the best for our children and we really want the best for our relationship. And sometimes there's a, there's a struggle between those two. And it's about trying to, compromise and find balance because it's it's tough. It's hard work. Um it's rewarding work. Um but I think it's something that people just take very sort of casually and I think it's just because you just don't know and just because you just it's a trial by fire. And you don't know what what where it's gonna take you and what depths it's gonna take you. But you just have to be strong and you have to be prepared and you have to just know that, you know, what you hear about and what you see um, is all the good parts. You know, a lot of people don't talk about the struggles and there are going to be struggles, but you just have to be prepared to to know that there's going to be light at the end of the tunnel. You know, a child may cry and drive you and you may not sleep and you may may feel very frustrated about everything. But, you know, the moment that child smiles, it really touches a place in you that you didn't think could be touched. And, uh, you know, and those, those things will continually happen, but you just got to be prepared that it's going to involve work. And as long as you're willing to accept that portion of the work, um, I think bringing up a child or children is not going to be as hard because you, you don't necessarily feel like you're blindsided by it. And some people are not, some people are ready. Some people are, you know, have a very chill sort of um, perspective on it. And some people find it really, really difficult. And I think for myself, I, I have to speak for myself. i found it difficult and, you know, it's, it's still a struggle, um, but it's, it's growing me and it's making me change my perspective on life. And it gives you renewed purpose on why it is that you're even on the planet. And um, it'll change your, for me, it has changed my whole mission and what I wanna do and how I wanna do them and how I wanna operate and how, you know, I make decisions. Um, and I really always thought that was just gonna be things you know, that I just wanted to do. And now I have to really, really put those things into perspective when children come into the equation. So children, um, a blessing and a challenge all at the same time for marriages.
0: Okay. So number eight I have actually really goes along well with what you said in terms of... um, The lesson learned being to embrace growth. And I think just like you said, like the more you embrace the fact that the challenges in life, the challenges in marriage, the challenges in raising a family will grow you and you embrace them, the easier it can be. And I think, um, you know, one of the things when it comes to marriage that often I am reminded of is that You know, your spouse is often a mirror reflecting back to you the parts of yourself that you don't want to notice, that you want to sweep under the rug, or that you don't want to deal with. And there are times when you want your spouse to complete you in a way that only you can complete yourself. And that completion process comes from embracing your growth. And so I think all of us are put on this earth and we have a purpose. We have a destination within ourselves, not only what we do on the outside, but I think God has created all of us to be more like him. And when we think of the qualities and the characteristics of God, and we think of Christ, and we think of all the gifts of the Holy Spirit, that our job in marriage in particular is to cultivate those skills, To practice patience and compassion and forgiveness and joy and kindness and, you know, loyalty and all of those things. And when we realize that, you know, marriage is not just to make us happy, but that marriage is also to grow us to be a better person, a better human being, a better child of God then we can embrace those difficult moments because we really recognize that those challenges aren't there to take us down. Those challenges aren't there to make us question, did we marry the right person or was this the right decision for us? But those challenges are there to provide a growth opportunity. And you know, I think for me, the more I am willing to learn the lesson and almost lean into the pain and lean into the frustration and lean into the growth, then the better off I am in the end and the better off the family is, the relationship is, because I really believe that life will keep presenting you with the same lesson until you learn it. And I think the more we can look at every situation, whether that's raising children or being in a relationship with someone that is so different from us, the more that we can look at that as really just a lifelong teacher That is designed to help shape us and mold us into the real person that God wants us to be, the better off we are. And so I think embracing the growth is almost like, you know, the synopsis of all of this of, you know, marriage being not what you think it's going to be and owning your impact and, you know, releasing those expectations and, looking for the love and all of those things that we talked about i think really at the end of the day it's summarized by embracing your growth because it's all for your growth and it's all for your good so those are our eight lessons learned very different very similar in ways um and so that is our story i think when it comes to this conversation that we've been able to have, I've I've appreciated being able to just listen and to receive and to hear and to provide a structure to hear my spouse talk. And um, I would encourage you all to do the same. So this is one of those episodes where if you can listen with your husband, do that bring him into this conversation, have a conversation of your own where you guys really share your own lessons learned. I think it will be helpful for you to hear his perspective and certainly helpful for him to hear yours as well. Is there anything else you want to say to the audience before we say goodbye for today?
1: (laughs) Well, thank you guys for listening. I hope you guys found it helpful. I think we tried to approach this in a way that was authentic, really on my side. I didn't have, I didn't approach it with any expectations. I just really came with my perspective and um, what I've learned and what I'm continuing to learn. And eight years is, eight years seems like a long time, but it goes by really, really quickly. And I often ask myself, where did the time go? Um, Life is short, um, and it's all about growth. And I think that's a pretty good, reassuring, and foundational theme. And uh, we hope that you guys continue to grow. And uh, whatever feedback you have for us, we're happy to hear it. Thank you, and good night.
0: Thank you all. I will be back with you next week for a new episode. I hope that you enjoyed this. Do us a favor, leave some feedback on the podcast. Let us know what you're taking away. Let us know what you thought. We would love, love, love to hear it. Thank you so much for tuning in. Bye for now. Now, if you loved this episode, you will want to download a free resource I created called 13 Beliefs to Hold On To When Marriage Gets Tough. Download it at bit.ly forward slash 13 marriage beliefs. That's bit.ly forward slash 13 Marriage Beliefs. And of course, I will be back with you next week. Until then, commit to loving your marriage again.